Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The wait is over. A triple header of fun is upon us this week. Football's in effect. The NBA Finals are here. And the MLB playoffs are in full swing. You might go to some of these games, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on everything from game spreads, totals, to teams, player, coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Armchair All-American Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. Welcome to another edition of The Bird Calls, our far too infrequent podcast about all things New Orleans Pelicans, featuring our regular contributors, Kevin Berrios and David Fisher. And we should be expecting the arrival of our editor-in-chief over at thebirdrights.com, Mr. Ali Cosell. I am David Grubb. Gentlemen, um, first, let's talk about week one of the Stan Van Gundy era. Um, Ali and I both did pieces this week on different facets of it. Um, We've seen two known assistants so far on the staff fish. What do you know about Bob Byer? And um, what do you, what do you think of the hire uh, and, and where we are so far with him? Well, when you're talking about Bob Byer, he's, he's kind of been attached to Van Gundy intermittently for quite some time. I mean, he was an assistant coach with Van Gundy when Van Gundy was the head coach at Wisconsin. Um, before he even made the leap into the NBA. And then Bob Beyer himself um, didn't make the leap into the NBA until Stan Van Gundy got the Orlando job. Um, and he's been a, he's been a kind of just a career NBA assistant since then. Um, he's kind of just one of those guys where he was never really the sexy name. So he's just he's just a basketball lifer and plenty of NBA staffs have extremely competent guys like that that at no point did they kind of show or get the get the recognition of being the sexy um assistant head coach that you you think sometime they could be you know your the head coach in waiting or the next big head coach that's going to be pulled from a staff that's not something that he has ever kind of achieved and then um so i much to say about him. I mean, he's, he's just a basketball worker. Obviously he has a strong relationship with Van Gundy, how Van Gundy wants to teach and uh, your, your piece today, especially, I mean, it school is about to open 
as soon as you know they announce that training when training camp is going to start, um, school will be in session, and it will be a difficult and educational for a very young roster that needs to learn how to play defense first, foremost. I mean, you, myself, Kevin, Ollie, we've been preaching on the need for defense this whole time. So that. Uh, that gives a little bit of comfort effort, um, comfort level with Van Gundy, but also you're seeing how the building of the staff already is a little collaborative because I'm sure you're going to bounce back to the next assistant head coach, mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, assistant coach that's brought in is someone that Van Gundy has never worked with before and was here previous um, to to his arrival. Yeah, the things that we do know about buyers at. I think that this spells the end for Chris Finch. He's not coming back. You know, you're not getting that um, because this is the guy who's predominantly worked on offensive skills. And I don't think he's your lead assistant either. Um, as you said, Fish, I think this is the guy who does the teaching on that end. And what do we know about Van Gundy's offensive philosophy? He's motion based. He likes to go into the post early, um, which I like because that means and, and so it was something that I observed a lot last year. He hit Zion early in the shot clock and on the move. He's going to score more often than not. And if he doesn't, he's going to at least put the pressure on the defense to give someone else an open shot. So I like looking in early. Um, I like the fact that it's a motion-based offense, particularly when we're talking about um, his desire to maybe have Lonzo Ball off the ball in the half court. So then if you're moving the ball, he becomes more often a catch and shoot three point shooter, which he excelled at last season. And if that carries over, I think that's a good thing. Motion to me also is, is flexible, which is something that we all thought was needed to be for this offense, but it has structure, which we also felt like this offense needed to have. And then my last thought on it is, because you can, you, the ball movement is so vital in Van Gundy's systems that he adapts to, to his personnel, you can create opportunities for guys like Zion, for Brandon Ingram, for Josh Hart to actually be able to put the ball down, get a dribble or two closer to the basket, maybe initiate some contact and create fouls. If you're not getting that from Lonzo, you're get, at least you can get that and generate those opportunities for other people. So um, that's my thought on that. Uh, but I'll turn to Kevin. I want you to give the other one. Yes, uh, Freddie Vincent is going to be back, retained from Alvin Gentry staff. How important to you is it to have someone, particularly Freddie Vincent in this case, still on board? Yeah, I mean, he was the one guy that I was like, we have to keep. And I think everybody feels that way. I mean, you've seen the work he's done with Lonzo. Um shooting wise and Ingram too. Ingram had a drastic improvement in his three point shot. Um, so, you know, that's something that this team has definitely needed. We have a lot of guards that, that need work on their shot. Zion needs work on his shot. And then, you know, a lot of these prospects that are coming in the draft that we're linked to are guys that are good players all around, but the big question mark about them usually is their jump shot. So this is a guy that's got a proven track record. We've seen what he's done with, Tyreek Evans in the past as well, you know, um, and then you bring over that continuity. The players seem to really like him, sing his praises a whole lot. Um, so he's definitely a guy you want to keep in. I mean, I don't really care that much about the continuity aspect um, of it, but it is nice that we had this guy that was already here and we're keeping him because he has proven um, to be such a good coach and especially in that one area. Um, and, 
I we just got this breaking news. I don't know if you want me to go with it. Yeah, um, go ahead. Shams uh, tweeted out that the Players Association has voted to tentatively approve the NBA's proposal for the for the next season starting on December 22nd and playing a 72 game season. So it looks like that's going to be happening and that's going to accelerate a lot of off off season stuff that uh, we've been talking about and are excited to start talking about. So we at least kind of know that the 22nd will be the start. Christmas will be a big day again, and it'll be 72 games. It looked like. I I am not enthused about them starting this quickly because based on what I saw about the fans that they want to have this people in there and have them, you know, we saw this, have them 12 feet from the court, the success of the bubble, um, you know, and the fact that no one got infected and we're going into this time where 17 states are seeing record numbers of COVID cases. And if you're going to have these teams again traveling across the country, and we're seeing in the NFL teams shutting down their facilities for a week at a time. I don't know how confident I am that if the league goes back to its previous model and is talking about 50% capacity at games indoors in a sport that is, again, a a very close contact sport, and you're allowing these players to be back in their hometowns and being able to travel and do these things, I think it's I, I think it's a bad a bad decision. I would have waited to January if that were me. Uh, what do you guys What do you guys think about that? I yeah, I'd like to jump in on that a little bit. I mean, my feeling on the COVID situation is it's not going away any soon, anytime soon. Um, my my family um, in particular. I mean, we are prepared that it's going to continue to be bad and worse. And my wife works in healthcare um, for the foreseeable future. Like we won't truly round the corner in the bend probably until spring. Um, and I think that's what basketball, what the NBA is doing is they're not, they're not in a rush to start this season for this season. They're in a rush to get it over with in time so that they can start next season on time. No, I, don't, I know this, it's the Olympics. It's the money for the Olympics. Well, no, I mean, it's not the money for the Olympics. It's the fact that they don't want to have to counter program it. So no, I mean, it's yeah. because they have the agreement. They have to send the players over with their agreement with USA basketball. They can't have the season go into the Olympics. That's what this I mean, is about. Well, I mean, it's also about the Christmas day games. It, it's, I mean, no, I mean, the, the NBA is to a degree being held over the barrel by their media partners, you know, ESPN, TNT, et cetera, that wants to fill this Christmas Day schedule. I mean, it's that that's what that's that's how the NBA sees it. And I'm not at all the kind of person that's going to come in here and carry water for the league. Um, that's that's not what I'm saying at all. Do you think they can um, be adequately prepared in six weeks? I don't think that they will be any more prepared by waiting until January. Um, And I think the sooner that they can get, because the one thing that the NBA can do that like NFL NCAA and things like that are far more difficult to do is the fact that they have a far smaller roster. 
Um, so, I mean, if if a case gets in, you know, each team's bubble, then it's far more likely that that team is out, right? You're not going to have, oh, we didn't catch the case, and then we spread it to another team, and now, you know, you see weeks later, you know, I don't know, Wisconsin football has 27 cases or something like that. Um, we can expect from what we've seen from the NBA that they are going to operate with a far more stringent protocol in terms of testing and frequency and things like that. But the bubble, like the idea of doing a bubble for the regular season, I think the NBA and the players themselves would say absolutely not. I mean, the players that had to endure, I mean, endure is you know a stretch of the word but i mean if we're talking about the player health and things like that being you know separated from their family and friends for that long but that's not i I don't think that was the that's not what i'm talking about here i'm just saying even in are you going to be able to say that that they could like i said you're seeing it now at the nfl you're seeing it Mm -hmm. now they travel once a week once a week and they're having to shut down practice facilities having to Potential, you know, they're not going to cancel games in the NFL, but how many games in the last month have been canceled in college football? And they're not traveling. And no, you're going to have I, NBA teams moving to multiple cities in the course of three to five days. Well, I think part of the part of the NBA's plan on that, if it started in December or in January, was we're going to limit travel. The teams are going to travel less frequently. Um, NBA teams, I mean, NBA teams aren't flying coach. They're not, they're not flying first class. They're flying on, you know, their dedicated planes. And you're talking about a stop at an MLB. They weren't well, flying coach in MLB. Well, no, they weren't flying, but after they the MLB, were limited after, to regional travel, they were, Remember, limited, they were more limited than anybody in MLB. Yeah. They were limited to regional travel, but after the first bumps, they did reasonably well. And I think that that is what the NBA is looking at as kind of their model from what I was listening to on the the low post earlier today with Bobby Marks is the NBA might be looking at a very regionalized schedule as well, where the schedule is not even going to be recognizable to what we expect an NBA schedule to look like. Um, And if that ends up being the case, um, where you start to cut down on the travel significantly, then it's just a matter of how can you manage your team hotel situation? How can you manage getting from the hotel to the bus, bus to the arena, arena to the bus, bus back to either the hotel or the airport? And then how can you manage your personnel when they're in their home market? And how how well can they you know minimize their contacts, I guess. Um, in terms of the fans and stuff like that, that sounds like a terrible idea. It's a horrendous idea. I get what they're saying. Let's, you know, let's put the people up in the suites where they're not going to have any kind of interaction with the players. And yeah, I mean, whatever. I mean, if a whole bunch of rich people want to turn the NBA suites into a big old Corona coronavirus party every game until it's spreading through, you know, every sea level suite of you know all of these um corporations and stuff that are the companies that actually end up buying those suites and filling them up every night 
so that the MBA can cash the check. Um, the the MBA doesn't care at that point, really, because they're going to say, you know, they're assuming the risk. The players don't care at that point because that ticket money is 50% of it's passing it down to them. So, I mean, I, a long story short, there aren't good options. And what the NBA is saying is let's just grit our teeth and get through this season now while trying to maintain Christmas and while trying to get out before the Olympics so that we can maximize the money for the owners and the players. And then hopefully by October, 2021, we can get back onto something that looks normal. So Kevin, um, what do you think that the NBA is putting the product at risk considering the draft is November 18th? That gives you about a month, which means you're starting training camp immediately. And essentially you're, if you give them any, you're going to have to give them some preseason games to get warmed up. How many load management games are you talking about for teams in the first month especially the teams that did advance deep into the postseason that did just get out of a bubble and you're asking them to start the season all over again. Could you, you could be seeing some rookies who are unable to contribute and you could be seeing some really bad basketball. Yeah. I mean, there's that aspect, but there's like David said, it's really no good answer to this because of the situation we're in. We just, you just have to, if you're going to start, you got to get it started. And I agree that ne- not waiting to January, I don't think necessarily solves a lot of the problem. Um, and it runs a risk of, you know, having less games and things like that. But, you know, clearly there's going to be no summer league. Um, but a lot of these teams have been off forever. You know, you're just talking about the last uh, like four to six teams that were in the playoffs that were playing very recently. And from what I've heard as sort of proposal is they're going to ease those teams in. Like they won't have two, uh, I mean, back-to-backs early on, um, space out their games a little bit more to ease them back in. But like you said, like, I mean, there's going to be no right answer. I mean, it's going to be another year that is weird and shaken up. Um, I've also heard that they're talking about, you know, have seriously having that play-in tournament from the 7th to 10, 10th seed uh, get into some sort of play in tournament to get into the playoffs, which could kind of offset some of those issues. Maybe some teams have, although, you know, you would think that the teams that are, that were like the last, the top four teams uh, are going to be in higher seeds than the seventh seed, but you never know what could happen. Um, my main concern is roster size is, you know, in the, in, in the NFL, you have 53 people on your roster. If you get two or three guys sick, you still have 50 other guys to make it, you know, play a game. Whereas if you get three or, you know, one to three guys sick on your NBA roster, then what's going to happen? Because then you're going to have to bring in, they're going to have to allow you to sign other guys uh, while that's happening. And then, you know, do they have to go through some sort of protocol testing and all of this? The guys that are free agents or in the G League have to stay constantly tested and sort of in bubbles so that they can jump right into it to a roster, um, you know, so it, it raises a whole lot of problems that they have to solve. Um, I think, you know, obviously I don't think fans should be in there, um, but I think it's okay for them to plan to see if, okay, we can get to a point where we can have fans and then they can call it right before the season starts. 
that, okay, it's not going to work, so we're not going to have them in. But just to start getting protocols in to prepare for when you can start to ease those things in, I don't mind. I think that's smart to do. Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously rookies might have a tough time getting going. I mean, also think about these rookies didn't play, you know, they didn't have March Madness. They didn't have all of this other stuff. So there's also – they also haven't developed – you know, because how many times have has March Madness developed a star in college that went on to, um, you know, build off of in, in his rookie season? Where I mean, these haven't played competitive basketball in, of any kind, right? Any exactly. So you know, it's going to be weird regardless. So I think like focusing on that is not necessarily helpful because there's no like we already said there's no right answer and it's going to be a, an odd year. Um, so they just have to roll with it. Um, in terms of Olympics, an interesting thing is, like, if we don't get a hold of the pandemic on our side, are we even going to be allowed to go play in the <laughs> like travel bands? Like, we can't go to certain countries right now. So there is a world where that even exists. So if the Olympics is the goal, it might also just be a waste. But I think I I'm more inclined to agree with Fish that they're really just trying to set this up for normalization of next season uh and they know that this season is going to be uh you know an awkward weird uh transition year well let me pose this question to you both then um how does this go into our evaluation of the new orleans pelicans because they're a team with a new coach trying to teach a new um system and doing it very much in a difficult situation how do you think that fans will, you know, uh, with how long of a honeymoon period will people give it? And how much does of a setback is this not knowing what the schedule looks like, not knowing what the travel looks like, but just knowing you're going to essentially have four weeks to teach some very young guys how to play your system. Yeah, man, but, you know, you need to have a grace period. You know, it's it's kind of, you know, I was always about, I think a lot of us were about getting in that assistant coach, you know, the, the high, highly touted assistant coach to be the next coach of this team. And if that was the case, I think that the grace period would be more widely accepted and understood by the fan base. But bringing in a guy like Stan Van Gundy with his credentials, uh, I think a lot of te- a lot of people are expecting a playoff team next year. Um, the good thing is if they do, I, I don't know how I feel long-term about this play-in tournament, but I think for this season, definitely it's a good thing because of these kind of situations where, you know, now if you fall between seven and 10, you have a legitimate shot of being in the playoffs. And I think with a year where you're going to be dealing with a lot of things, a lot of, a lot of teams are having new coaches and new systems. Um, so you know, it sort of helps you offset a slow start. And if we know anything about the Pelicans history, a slow start is coming. Um, So we'll see. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think everybody has to be realistic in, in their understanding. While I think this team has chronically underperformed the last few years, this year is still going to be a hard, it's going to be hard to judge them on, on their record this season because of all of that, again, um, that, that we're going to be dealing with. And, you know, especially if what this podcast is supposed to be about talking about like a Drew Holiday trade, if you're sending out one of your veterans and bringing back other pieces, you're losing even more continuity amongst the players that are there and they're all learning a new system as well. So it's, you know, it, it you definitely have to 
at least allow for a month and a half of the regular season for this team to really start to gel. And then you start to see what you really have. Does it immediately modify your expectations fish? No, because the, the Pelicans are playing on a level field with, I mean, most of the other teams, I mean, teams are going to have turnover. The Pelicans, while, I mean, there may be some turnover, the Pelicans are probably going to bring back somewhere between what five to seven of their top their top 10 minutes um guys from last year um i mean they're they're the pelicans even if drew holiday is gone um even if he is traded the pelicans will still have a lot of continuity already if you think that that matters a whole lot um i'm i'm more on the on the end that the 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 continuity that matters is Zion, Ingram, and that's it. Like that's the continuity right there. And then all the other pieces just need to mesh into that. They just need to be, you know, supporting pieces around that. And those those kind of things, while it may take time to 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 mesh together, um, I mean, if they're going to try to stuff 72 games from the end of December, from, yeah, the end of December to the middle of May, um, there's not going to be a whole lot of practice time for any team. So how can you, how can you learn on the fly? How can you learn when you're not actually going to have the, you know, the practice time and stuff like that? You're going to have to learn how to watch and execute film and, just apply the lessons learned from last night's loss to today's game, because we're going to have, you know, I think the expectation is 14 back-to-backs over these 72 games. Um, You, if the, if the NBA does do the scheduling, like they're discussing, they may, you're going to have series where you might play the same team two or three times in a row, which is a, a extreme rarity in the MB in a, a standard NBA schedule where the Pelicans might over the course of a season, maybe they might play two teams. If that on not even back to back nights, yeah. but, but on, you know, in consecutive games. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that actually might be really good for the team and, and good for Van Gundy. Like I think Van Gundy would have, kind of how he wants to teach and stuff like that please give me you know a three-game series against the rockets and then a three-game series against memphis where you know the variables aren't changing that much you know over the next five nights that we have these three games we're playing the same opponent we don't have to talk about a whole different game plan we can sit down and talk about the game film about how we told you to do this thing you're not doing it. You're not, you know, taking away this guy's right hand enough or we're not pushing up hard enough on the the, the high ball screens for Ja Morant or, you know, however thing. And we get to play them tomorrow night, so let's get the job done this time, you know, rather than, hey, guys, we didn't execute the game plan in January and this is the next time we're playing the Memphis Grizzlies and it's August. So, oh, and there's no fans and we're all in Florida right now. Like, that went out. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's a lot easier to be able to retain. And then if you can do that, 
I, I think that that might be a situation where Van Gundy's detailed oriented kind of style and the fact that it's going to be very heavy on what the game plan is, but also just on fundamentals over and over again, it's easier to drill those fundamentals when the variable of the opponent changes less frequently because then the specifics of the game plan aren't changing. So we're not talking about a new game plan. We're just talking about execute this game plan, but also we're still reinforcing over and over again the the fundamentals, the building blocks of this team that don't change from opponent to opponent. So I think I I think as the season goes on for the Pelicans and their team and kind of like the hunger that you feel that there is with Ingram and with Zion and how hopefully we expect and we hope that Van Gundy can kind of focus that into spreading out throughout the rest of the roster. I think that this kind of schedule might actually be to the Pelicans' benefit. I also think it's really interesting in terms of, like, how the season is going to go if they actually do this, because it's going to be, like, every week is like a playoff series, you know? Um, If you're going against the same team three times in a row or something like that, I think it just creates a lot more drama, um, which could be very interesting, and it makes those series – uh, wins like really important and are seem important when they're not spaced out through 82 games. You don't worry about the baseball dilemma of series play being, you know, it, it, it can be repetitive I don't, to, I to see the same matchup when it, the stakes are not legitimate because you can see you get more rest. It's not a series because guys could be sitting those games out. I could take a couple off if you know, I, I'm just saying that that yeah. because that's the part of baseball is the lineup changes, the pitcher changes, those things are not constant. So in this situation, because if there's a roster, you know, size change, you just, you still could be looking at different lineups, different teams. That I mean, night. I've seen three baseball games in my life, and I was at them. That's like you know, like I don't, so I don't know, I don't understand that um, from a personal perspective. But I mean, like, I don't feel like watching a like a five game or a seven game series in the in the NBA playoffs made me feel that way, you know. Like, so no, I'm not talking about the playoffs. I'm saying the regular season. These are, but I mean, there's like not the stakes. Kind of- so if the coaches in a, in a playoff, you're not going to take off days. But in in a regular season game, if I play on the same team three times and they're in the Eastern Conference and I'm in the West, and I say, well, we want to rest these guys for two of these three games, or we're going to do it this way. You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe mm-hmm. fans don't want to see that game three days in a row. Gotcha. That's what I'm saying. Regular season. Because the stakes, and that happens in baseball. It's like, oh, this person is pitching tonight? Okay, I'm going to the ballpark. But on Tuesday, they're sending out their fifth starter, and that guy's garbage. And I don't, you know, so, you know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. that's just what I'm thinking. I, I think... I get that. I think, though, with a shortened season, a 72-game season, it makes it a little bit harder for teams to do that. Okay. I'm just throwing them out. That's, you know, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not the, uh, legitimizing that argument. I just think it's a little bit less this time, especially because most of the teams have rested for so long as well. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean, like, we, there's so much we don't know, and we'll just—it's right. like we did this time. We'll see. We didn't know how we were going to get to the bubble, and it worked out great. So maybe it'll work out great. We hope it works out great. That's always the thing. 
I just hope people get as, are as healthy as possible and the product is as good as possible. Um, but there are going to be challenges. We know that. So, but we were here to talk about um, the report that the Pelicans are openly talking to teams about potentially trading Drew Holiday. Um, it said that 10 teams have reached out to the Pelicans. I would think there are more than that, um, either that have or will in the very near future. Um, Fish, this has been your baby. So um, you've been waiting for this moment. Tell me why the time is right and only why the time is right for the Pelicans to trade Drew Holiday right now. Because of his contract. I mean, I hate to break it down to so few words. It has, it has, to me, it has very little to do with his age matching up with the rest of the Pelicans core. It has to do with the fact that next summer, Drew Holiday can be a free agent if he will, if he chooses to. And while some people would say, oh, but you pick up that player option and then you wait and Drew Holiday's already he's already over the 10 the 10 year mark at that point so he can't get up more maxed and the second part of that is nobody's offering him 35% of the cap that would be insane so um the pelicans the pelicans don't have I mean, the Pelicans have bird rights, but next summer a whole bunch of teams are setting themselves up for having cap space because it's possible that Giannis might be available at that point. So, you know, if some team is going to sign Giannis or he's going to resign with Milwaukee and then all these teams are going to have cap space. So the Pelicans you know, don't have much of a home field advantage at that point because the Pelicans aren't going to be paying him the max. So the difference in raises that they can give Drew Holiday don't change the the dollar figures enough because another team could just offer him more on the front end so that it wipes the raises out. Like the the Pelicans, can the Pelicans spend more than any other team? Yes. The way they do that is Should paying they? the max. Nobody... There's there's not a single Pelicans fan that I have seen that says put 35% of the cap on the table. Like that's the only way that the Pelicans get to the point where we can outpay all possible competitors. Like that's that's the only way that it works out that way. And no, Drew Holiday isn't worth 35, 37, 38 million dollars a year and then going up from that. That is that is that would be absolute insanity. So the Pelicans don't have the benefit of, you know, bird rights aren't giving them this big step up over the rest of the market. It appears that the rest of the market is going to be robust in terms of the fact that a lot of teams are setting themselves up with cap space and the ability to chase, which means there's a lot of potential competitors out there. So you have to, my my gut feeling on why this came about is the Pelicans went to Drew Holiday with, this is our extension number. Drew Holiday and his agent came back with, how about this? Or they said, we just not, there's two options. Either they said they gave a number that's a bigger number than Griffin and the Pelicans front office thinks that they should pay for Drew Holiday or Drew Holiday and his team didn't say we want out, but we said, but they did say we're not signing an extension. So, you know, we'll have to play the season out and then next summer we'll make the decision, which I mean, 
completely and totally like we should we should be able to understand that Drew Holiday has not controlled his destiny as an NBA player but once when he re-signed with the Pelicans. I mean, the first eight years of his career operated on – he was drafted by Philadelphia. He signed an extension with Philadelphia prior to reaching restricted free agency, which he wouldn't have been unrestricted. And then he was traded to New Orleans. So um, if you operate with – Drew Holiday is an expiring contract. There are a lot of teams out there that could sign Drew Holiday. The Pelicans do not have a measurable dollar – advantage it's time to trade drew holiday if he's not going to re if he's not going to sign an ex- extension before this season starts at a number that the pelicans think is a bargain and drew holiday has no reason to do that he should be trying to maximize his earnings or get to a team that he feels like he's going to win a ring with or whatever else it is that is his career goals at this point 2020 has been the year of things happening that are completely out of your control. But there is one thing you can control, and that's shaving your bush. Look, there's no need to be coy about it. You deserve to smell fresh and look great in all the right places. And Manscaped is here to help. They've got the Lawnmower 3.0, a premium electric trimmer that's designed to give you a confidence boost. The ceramic blade and skin safe technology is designed to reduce nicks and tugs on your fellas down low. It's waterproof, comes with an LED light so you can manscape in the shower, the dark, or in a dark shower, whatever floats your boat. They've got the Shears 2.0 Nail Kit, which is the perfect add-on. It's a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools, and it includes tip tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. You can pluck eyebrows or trim nails in style. There's also the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. This will help you tame that summer swamp ass with natural hydrators and antioxidants. There's the Crop Reviver. It's a testy toner that's like having cologne that is designed for your balls. We won't judge you if you... (laughs) We won't judge if we catch you sniffing yourself. Go to manscaped.com and check out some of these life-changing products. In fact, listeners of this show will get 20% off plus free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code armchair. It's time to grab 2020 by the horns by shaving that front trunk. The wait is over. A triple header of fun is upon us this week. Football's in effect. The NBA Finals are here. And the MLB playoffs are in full swing. You might go to some of these games, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on everything. From game spreads, totals, to teams, player, coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Um, And you can respect that and at the same time try to maximize, hey, can we trade him maybe to a team that he would like to resign an extension with? Which would maximize? Okay, just the, the why, just the why. No, 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 just the good time. Don't. I, I know what you're going. With. I'm not talking about a team specifically. No, but no, if, I'm saying you're starting to go into. I just why it was the right time. That's well, that's what the focus was because I got to give Kevin the second question because yeah. that was so get the right. Okay, the, so the ideal, that. the ideal for for the Pelicans to maximize the value they obtained by trading Drew Holiday is they're trading Drew Holiday now when he can still sign an extension with whatever team he is traded to. And if he is good with that team 
and says, hey, that's that 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 sounds like a great place to be. Whatever the destination is, I will either, you know, exercise my player option. So you're trading for Drew Holiday for two years or I will do an extend an extend and trade there. You maximize the value of Drew Holiday outgoing. So now is the time to do it. Okay, so Kevin, then I would ask you, why would this be the wrong time? And why should the Pelicans wait till either during the season or after the season to to deal with Drew? Um like I I I see the both sides of the coin here. I mean Drew Holiday is a solid locker room guy. The team loves him, the city loves him. You you're having a guy that you know, has been through a lot with your team and is now can go into this new era as the bridge and be a long-term, you know, a guy that we love forever and finishes out his career here or whatever. Um, so you can set him up that way. Um, and, you know, he brings, he brings skills. He's a great defender. Um, and you're, you're bringing in a coach that focuses now on defense. So you're going to see, that improve around him that could highlight him even more and maximize what he has. Um, and also try to limit the amount of weight that is put on his head offensively. Now that Ingram has established himself and that you're going to hopefully have a full season of Zion that's developing and possibly bring in some other guys around to help ease the load offensively, because as we've seen, you can't count on him. Um, one thing, if you don't mind, I would like to say the reason to trade him right now, I believe, is that you look at the free agency market and it's not very good. There's not a lot of guys out there that make a big impact. This draft, while I like it personally, it's definitely low on star star potential. Um, and the the trade market there's not really a lot of big names on the trade market. Like we don't think that Beal is actually in play for anybody right now. Um, Giannis isn't going to be traded this year. Um, you're, you're looking at uh, the bigger names being like Christian Wood in the sign and trade or Jeremy Grant in the sign and trade um, or um, like Kelly Oubre or Danilo Gallinari are the other big names. So you have the most, coveted asset that's actually attainable at this moment um and you know you have a bunch of holes on this roster and then looking at next season that we've already talked about you know it's going to be a struggle to really perform to the level that you were hoping to perform to just because of the way the season's going to run why not cash in that chip right now and get as much as you can at its highest value because you may never be able to move him again because he can opt out of his contract so that only gives you a sign and trade option, which then limits what you're going to get back because you don't have any leverage. Um, so I see both sides. I definitely understand trading him. Um, and I also see keeping him as a guy that's a locker room leader better and that establishes the defensive tone for your team. Um, but I do lean more towards moving on from him because of what I just said and because of this team has a bunch of holes to fill and because of what we see about um, how next year is going to go with this in the off season. Okay. So I guess y'all put me in the position of having to make the case and be devil's advocate because y'all both got long extensiveness on why now. And I understand that, but we, I'm just going to present the other two options so we can discuss them. So 
you have the multiple reasons to of these op- other opportunities. So we say we talk about the start of the season, implementing these things, and trying to see what Griffin's vision was originally for this group. Right, the Lonzo, Drew, JJ, Josh, Brandon, Zion, and most likely, I would imagine because the center market, unless you do make a trade before the season, let's say they don't because of the time frame and you end up retaining Derek favors on a one-year deal that's at a reasonable number, like $11 million or 10 million bucks and whatever, a one plus one or something like that. So your front court is that is basically the same. You have whatever you get in the draft, which is probably not going to be a contributor this season, unless by some fluke this year, somebody turns out great. So you start with this group and they're, if they're winning, they're not going to want to break them up. If they're not winning, does Drew's value, because right now there's everybody thinks they have an opportunity to win in the West pretty much, but I would say that Drew's value at this point isn't as high as maybe people think it is because there are not a lot of teams that have, A, interesting assets, and the teams that do know they have those assets, but do they fit necessarily with what David Griffin wants to do? and what Stan Van Gundy wants to do. I don't know that. So I would say they may say the devil that we know is is better than the devil we don't at this point. We know what we have in Drew Holiday. Let's minimize the risk in a season where we have to prove something to our fan base. We have to establish some type of winning baseline. We have to put ourselves in a position to contend for a six, seven, eight spot at the very least. The league wants to see Zion do well. All these things play a factor into it. And they say, we have pulled up to the very last point where now we can reasonably go to our fan base and say, we've exhausted all op- all options with this. With the, you got to see the group. It didn't work. Or his value also goes up during the season because teams with a specific need at that position then make that move and have better position for assets. That could be the thought as well. And I could see the reasonable nature of both of those. The The worst option, I think that we would all say is waiting till the end of the season. Yeah, definitely. Because then you've given up all leverage as the franchise. It's not that I disagree with your argument, David, but just as a counterpoint, we've also known that Drew Holiday. Oh, I'm, suffers yeah, time with change you know yes. like, and, and so again <laughs> a whole new system you know is he gonna yeah. look that good to start the season i don't know right. i don't i think it's gonna take him two to three weeks at least to be peak drew holiday because of him adjusting to a new system and i'm just thinking of the discussion that they're having in the front oh, office yeah. no i i understand and i think you probably lean more towards moving him as well and you're just making a point yes. of why um, yes. and, I, and I also think that you wouldn't have the Pelicans talking publicly about it. And I agree because I agree with Fish. If if they hadn't been like Drew, we want to we want to extend you, and he either said no, I don't want to extend, or I want to wait to extend, or I came back with a big number. Um, because I don't think they're going to actively try to move him because of everything that we've heard from Griffin about him. Although maybe Griffin feels like, hey, I said that this guy was going to be an MVP candidate and he didn't perform for me. 
maybe it's time, maybe I want to get them out of here because that's a stain on my resume. If I turn them into other pieces, you know, people mm-hmm. will forget about this bold proclamation I made that like I fell on my face for, you know, that, that could also be in play as well. Who knows? To me, the most compelling thing for it now is very similar to what, what Fish is saying and that the financial aspects, it just doesn't make sense financially. Not with what you're trying to do, not with the money that you're trying to spend. Um, it just it takes the, the main thing that you got out of the Anthony Davis deal besides young talent was flexibility mm-hmm. and the ability to build around Zion Williamson and giving Drew Holiday upwards of twenty eight million dollars to keep him around for two or three years when we have gotten peak Drew Holiday. We've seen peak Drew Holiday. You're not going to get any better than what you have now. So you have reached the point of diminishing returns. And that's essentially what it comes to, is that there's nothing, not even an intangible value, that outweighs the fact that he will become far more costly as a player than he will be valuable as a player in the near future. Yeah, I think if you keep Drew Holiday, you have to move Lonzo, not because they don't fit well together, because you can't, you, afford have, you can't afford both. You have to like sort of reset that. So I like I had a trade proposal at some point where like we would trade Lonzo to get the eighth pick from the Knicks and then package our picks to move up to draft uh, Killian Hayes. So you reset the timeline on your point guard position, you know, and you can still have the benefit of keeping Drew around even give them extension possibly as, as that grows, you know, but like you can't just have, you know, you can't pay Drew over $25 million and, you know, possibly have to play, pay Lonzo that much or, you know, somewhere between 18 and $25 million. Um, it and just, it just doesn't work. And I would say this as well. And I want to get your guys thoughts on this on the basketball side. I actually think he's not a great fit for the Van Gundy motion offense I actually the more that I think about it we know that Drew can be he can pound the ball at times um he can be sloppy with his ball handling um he can be a very poor shooter and his three-point shooting has fallen off a cliff Mm -hmm. um I just wonder you know last year he struggled to get to the rim at times Mm -hmm. and to finish there so if you're already, like let's say if you're moving Lonzo off the ball and he's playing potentially a two or a three offensively and Drew Holiday is your primary ball handler with even with Ingram sharing those duties, I don't like Drew Holiday going downhill as a decision maker in that situation. Yeah, and I mean – He's actually been best in isolation, you know. And that's not that game. That's not going to be what you're going to be running. So I agree. He's not going to get those, you know, because of – and it's not that Van Gundy doesn't play with tempo. He does play with tempo. But I just don't see them getting the same kind of leak outs that Drew got under Alvin in this way because it's going to be a much different discipline that it requires. But, yeah. Um, Fish, what do you think about his his fit on court with that? Um, I mean, Drew is a great individual player, and I think I mean we 
Kevin hit a little bit on that as well. And the fact that Drew Holiday, if you need somebody to get the, get the ball to Drew Holiday and, you know, get a, a minor mismatch and can Drew get all the way to the basket. Uh, Drew was one of the league leaders among guards in terms of his shot attempts at the rim. Now, as you mentioned, he wasn't finishing tremendously well, but when I think about Drew Holiday, I don't think about motion and quick decisions and stuff like that. I think of Drew Holiday as an extremely methodical isolation player who is very good at it, but also I don't feel like that is something that Van Gundy would be looking for in terms of how he wants to play in the half court. And then the other thing that you had mentioned in terms of the leak outs and stuff, and that was um, this isn't necessarily as focused on Drew Holiday in terms of as the team. Van Gundy's going to make sure that the team gets the damn ball first before we start mm-hmm. worrying about offense. Mm-hmm. The, the possession defensively will not be finished until we have got the rebound. And when you talk about Drew Holiday, Drew Holiday isn't a, isn't a player that I felt like at any point was a plus rebounder at his position. He was not a great he was a great individual defender. He's a great isolation defender. I always felt like he was a little subpar and a little spaced out off the ball. Um, he's never been a huge, I mean, the whole Drew Holiday experience is he's this leader that leads without making a big fuss about it. He leads by example. Well, the Pelicans have exemplified that throughout the time that he's been here, which is why they are one Mm. of the poorest communicating teams defensively that we have ever seen year after year after year, the blown rotations and the, the, the failure to communicate and things like that. Maybe this team needs a, a, a culture reset in, in that, in, in that respect. Sam Van Gundy's certainly going to bring it because, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, we probably won't be in the arena at any point to hear him, but we're going to hear him on the broadcast, especially if the arena is empty <laughs> and that just hoarse voice all the time. Because um, if, if, if the team won't talk, he'll talk until they start to, you know, exercise what he's looking for. So maybe that, I mean, that might be a selling point a little bit on, on Drew Holiday. And, and, and moving him is the fact that maybe this team does need a culture reset. And while Drew Holiday is a wonderful human being and a great individual basketball player, this team until like it's eventually going to be Ingram and Zion's team and it's easiest to make that transition rather than hoping that it occurs organically to mm-hmm. rip off the bandaid and make it happen. Van Gundy walks in, Drew Holiday's no longer here. You know, J.J. Redick is Stan Van Gundy's lead lieutenant, pretty much, you know, player slash de facto assistant coach in terms of passing the message down. When you talk about, well, is Van Gundy going to relate well to the players? He'll relate really well to J.J. Redick, and they can pass it down that way, and then the rest of the assistant coaches, et cetera. Maybe that's the best thing for the Pelicans is it's it's time to say farewell to Drew Holiday so the team can become a, a far different team. And for Drew's, Drew's sake, 
it it might be a perfect time for him to go someplace where he's not just tertiary in terms of the basketball hierarchy, but tertiary in terms of, you know, the organizational hierarchy, because since he arrived here, he's been, I mean, he's been one a or one B beside AD. And then this year he was supposed to be one a again and AD also not a vocal leader. So, I mean, maybe, maybe that's what this team needs to, to reset things. Kevin, it's it would it would it would be closing the book, in effect, on an error, as much as an era, you know, just a, a, a an experiment that didn't work ultimately. Like you say, all the things that Drew's done well, he's given us some great memories. He's given us some great games um, to watch, and but ultimately, there wasn't enough success. And maybe clearing that locker room essentially of that old era of those players, um, maybe that is a, the best thing for this this new group. Yeah, I mean, really, if you if you trade Drew Holiday, I think, you know, how many players would be left from from the Gentry uh, Dell Demps era? You got to you got to assume Darius is gone. Um, it's very unlikely that Kenrick or Frank come back. Lee Ogafor comes back. He he could be the the last guy from that era um, on this roster. And it's interesting that the Pelicans now are like with with Drew, like I said, being the biggest trade target on the market right now. In two off seasons, they could make the two biggest trades, you know, uh, the most impactful trades in, in each off season. And if you know, if we get this a similar sort of graded based off of the quality of player that Anthony Davis is to the quality of player of Drew Holiday is kind of return impact that we got from the Anthony Davis trade that, you know, this team is getting really set up for a, a long run based off of what was built before and didn't work, but it's a great leap into the next, uh, the next era of what this is going to be. Um, so it's, you know, it's going to be pretty interesting to see what happens. Absolutely. Um, well, so quickly before we move on, then, um, if you were betting, would you say holidays traded before the season, during the season, or not at all? Kevin, first you. I'll say before. Fish? I would expect if Drew Holiday is going to be traded, not only before the season, I would expect he would be traded by draft night, or yeah. at least the, the agreement has been announced by draft night. Right. That's what I or heard. on draft night. Yeah, yeah. That that evening. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, if you were a listener of this pod a little more than a year ago, or you just don't remember, we did a series of pods centered around potential trades for Anthony Davis. We looked at the major players, the fits, and even the teams that were kind of like just wish uh fulfillment. Um we're gonna do that again starting next week with Drew Holiday. Uh Fish, I want you to go through the tiers and the teams that we're gonna be looking at and uh, why um, those have kind of been selected. Okay. Um, so we're going we're gonna to flow from least likely but most exciting to m- most likely and therefore least exciting. So we'll start with the really sexy picks, which would be the Miami Heat and the Golden State Warriors. Um, not to go into specific um, – 
permutations of how the trade would work. The Miami Heat, the draw is Tyler Hero. The Golden State Warriors, the draw is possibly the number two pick. Um, next, we'll go to teams that don't make a whole lot of sense if you're saying we need to trade Drew to a team where he's going to contend, but maybe a team that says we want Drew Holiday to be um, kind of our anchor and character and things like that, kind of how he has been for the Pelicans um, that are on the outskirts of the outskirts of the playoffs, but they have assets that sound like they make sense for the Pelicans. Um, that would be Atlanta and Phoenix. Both teams um, have contracts and cap space and things like that to work with and players that would fit well with, um, with what the Pelicans have right now in terms of Ingram and Zion. Um, next, um, we're going to focus on one of the teams that makes the that's that's been in the rumors i would say the longest which would be the denver nuggets and also the chicago bulls the chicago bulls don't make as much sense as an individual partner um but the possibility of denver and chicago working together because their front front offices are descendants of one another at this point and the fact that maybe what denver would want to send might be more appealing to chicago and chicago might have the assets that actually line up better for what the pelicans might be seeking and then we'll wrap up our series um, with kind of the elephant in the room which would be the pacers um, who could potentially form the holiday voltron with all three holidays on the same team and the brooklyn nets um, who have felt like they were in the lead from the very start in terms of just how much it makes sense as Drew Holiday would be the third star for them beside Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. So guys, let me ask you this and um, Fish, I'll let you lead this. Um, when you think about these criteria and we go through these teams and we'll, what are you looking for when you are judging these deals? What are the, what, what's the most important thing to you when you're judging these deals? I want to get something in either a pick that ends up turning into a player that I really like, which means probably the Pelicans are trading up in this draft or getting a pick that is sounds like it might be very high soon that fits with um, Zion and Ingram or a young player who fits with um, Zion and Ingram. And we can talk about the individual players and who that we will get to that point. Yes. But the thing is, is that you want to try to get something that feels like a third core piece that fits better in terms of the age horizon and the contract horizon, especially with your two cornerstones. And then the other stuff around that is. Do you need to match salaries or does this team have cap space? How do you match those salaries? Do they have contracts that work? And then do they have either future assets that would make the trade more enticing if that core piece isn't necessarily as sexy for the Pelicans in that kind of situation? Um, maybe a team that would like to trade you know, more future assets and the Pelicans can say they just want to continue to add to that bank to make a trade later when a, you know, a star who fits their core becomes available and they want to have the war chest prepared? Um, or can you fill out the rest of your roster in terms of role players and, and players that will fit, especially Van Gundy, especially defense? 
can you can you can you solidify the defense by adding multiple players that will defend that will because i mean we have to be honest right now ingram and zion have not shown themselves to be even average defenders and no, so and so if you're telling yourself we're going to build around these two guys because we expect that they're going to be able to average 22 plus points a game a piece then you need to say i'm going to have a starting lineup that has two minus defenders until further notice how are we going to build a league average or better defense around that it's going to take it's going to take a village of of good defenders so that that's that's kind of how i approach it um and then the other thing is honestly i feel like when i throw out stuff to pelicans twitter they tell me that i'm an idiot because i'm not properly valuing true holiday but then when i talk to anybody that covers or is a fan of any other team the response is the exact opposite and far more forceful um and i think that's that more that more shows the kind of love affair pelicans fans myself included has with drew holiday then and what we've heard in terms of how media members talk about drew holiday that isn't necessarily maybe in line with how other fans and possibly other front offices view the value of drew holiday kevin i would i would agree that i think you always that fans and sometimes front offices tend to overvalue their own players um in this case what do you think um would be a reasonable haul. Again, we're not going to say names at this point, but um, the level of player, are you looking more for someone who's going to, do you think the Pelicans are more likely to get someone who's going to be able to contribute now, like Fish Talk is uh, role players who are able to contribute now, or are the Pelicans going to be forced to maybe look more for future assets and again, add to their stockpile um, because there may not be enough player talent um, on the teams that can absorb a Drew Holiday to give you that kind of impact player that you might really want. Yeah, I mean, first off, in terms of trades, like I think it was Larry David that said, you know, if you're trying to uh, make a compromise, you know you've reached a good compromise when both parties are dissatisfied. So, like, if you put a trade out there and both markets hate it, then it's probably a fair trade that could actually happen in the NBA. So that's kind of sort of a goal mm-hmm. uh, in putting these things together. But to answer your question, um, I don't think it's much of a surprise that the day before uh, Shams dropped this uh, Sham Wow or whatever you want to call it when he dropped something, uh, that Kevin O'Connor on the mismatch said that he's heard that the Pelicans are trying to move up in the draft. So you would think that hearing that and then hearing that they're discussing Drew trades that an earlier pick is part of what they're looking for, whether they want to swap picks and get something else or maintain their pick and also get an earlier pick. Um, So I think that's key. I think they have some guys that they're targeting probably in the first eight picks that they don't think are going to be there at 13, that they really see as building blocks for the future of this team uh, that fit with what they have. So I think that's key. Um, I also think getting another guy that's on his rookie contract, 
that'll grow with these uh, with this team, but has also had a year or two in the league. And um, you, you see that there's something there that there can at least be a solid role player, if not a, a potential like, you know, on the verge of an all-star kind of guy at some point in their career. And then if you could get another sort of veteran guy in there just to add veteran leadership, I, I think that's what I'm looking for. An early draft pick in this draft clearly seems like a priority than, you know, a young guy that has breakout potential and some sort of veteran role player. Um, and definitely I don't want to take on any bad contracts, any long-term contracts, you know, two years I can handle two years of an okay contract or, or like slightly overpriced contract are fine because, you know, you can always move them when they're expiring or they're not eating up that much. If you have a bunch of young guys on rookie contracts, that so doesn't matter as much. So that that's what I'm looking for. And I think that's what the Pelicans are looking for as well. Okay. So let's end on this. Um, assuming that no other trades take place beforehand. Um, this is only a Drew Holiday trade. If the Pelicans had to sweeten the deal, are they more likely to give up um, picks that they like? Let's say you know again, not just a straight up pick in this draft, um, but let's say are they more likely to give up just the picks, or would there be players on this roster who would be candidates to be moved, and who would be those players? Ooh. See this this part's hard for me because I can't. It's hard for me to separate what I think the Pelicans might think from what I think because you know I'm going to say, put Jackson Hayes on the table. Let's go, let's go. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, do you think? I mean, honestly, do you think that let's say somebody does say, I need whatever deal for Drew Holiday. I have to because of his money, because to take on this twenty, I need a young player too. You know, I want to take on a young player, and this is the young player I want. How do you think? Do you think that the Pelicans say no, or do they say, "Well, what are you talking about?" Like, is Jackson Hayes? Do you think is? Do you think the Pelicans would view him at this point as untouchable? No, absolutely. as vital. No, I don't think he. I don't think he would, and I think that's the situation. Not to get into specific teams, but right. if you have a team that is sending you a big man who is young-ish and, but, you know, more ready to contribute than Jackson Hayes. That team might want Jackson Hayes in return in terms of, you know, the pot sweetener. Um, and then, of course, I mean, not to harp on the the Pelicans pick, their, their 13 pick or the bevy of second round picks that they have. And I can't imagine they're going to use all of them. Those I think would all be on the table. The 13th pick, especially if they're trading that out and in return, they are moving up in the draft in the process of a Drew Holiday trade. Um, I don't think that the Pelicans actually would trade Jackson Hayes, not in terms of the fact that he's not untouchable, but in terms of the fact that I don't think his value is actually going to be high enough that he's seen as a pot sweetener. But if there's a team that thinks he is, I hope the Pelicans send him packing. <laughs> <laughs> I think that if you were looking at the bigs in this draft, A, it's not a great draft for bigs, wow. but also is Jackson Hayes a value? If are, Is he considerably better than anything that you would find in this year's draft? I don't know. And I don't, 
but the, the question would be then in the hierarchy of those guys, because again, we're talking about Frank who, who is a free agent and may not be back uh, unless they're saying, Hey, the guys that we know we should do this. Frank's gone. If Terry's is gone, you know, that the, the candidates that you're talking about are essentially Jax, Nikhil, Didi, and these picks. Kevin, do you see any of those guys, like the, of those three guys, do you see any of them being reasonable throw-ins? Yeah, I mean, like for me, you have two uncomfortable guys on this team, and that's Zion and Ingram. Everything else mm-hmm. is in flux. But I think with the hiring of Stan Van Gundy, that has made J.J. Reddick untouchable. I would like to keep Josh Hart. So those four guys are the only four guys that I don't necessarily want to give up at this point. Um, if I need to give up, Nikhil, I really like Nikhil. I'll give him up if it makes sense, if it makes a deal work that's going to be beneficial towards me. You know, Jackson Hayes, I, I'm i with you guys on him for the most part. Like, I think he has a lot of physical skills, um, and he could be a good player in this league, but he's just not mentally there. And I think getting a coach like Stan Van Gundy is going to tell us really fast if he'll ever be that or if he'll at least – you know, if he has hope of changing quick enough to contribute to this team. Um, And so I'm willing to give him another year under this coaching staff to see how he matures and how he changes his mindset uh, and his approach to the game, because I do think he has tantalizing uh, physical skills. Um, But that being said, if I'm getting a haul back that I really like, he's certainly not untouchable in it. And then, you know, I'm fine with throwing future, you know, you, the reason you get all these extra picks is so that you can sweeten pots to get better deals. You can add veterans with them and, or you can move up in drafts to get guys that you want without going through years where you don't have picks or consecutive years where you don't have picks, which is what we had in, with Del Demps. Uh, I'm not saying go trading picks for young vets isn't, a good idea. I think it's a fine idea, but you can't deplete your ability to, to bring in young, good talent. Um, and I think that's expensive talent. <laughs> right. Right. And we're set up for the future with that, with the Lakers hall, with all these second round picks, and then probably getting a pick possibly to back on a drew holiday trade. Um, it makes things uh, much easier to move around. And, and, you know, so for me, it's open sale on everything that's not Zion Ingram. Uh, JJ obviously is going to be sticking around, and you know how much we all love Josh Hart. Other than that, I'm okay with everything else moving. And I like Lonzo a lot. Don't get me wrong, but I understand the uniqueness of his game and how hard it is to in, 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 um, integrate into a system especially when you already have another super unique guy like Zion and then you have to build around that. Um, and then, you know, now you're approaching having to extend them for a lot of money. So if you have to, if you feel like the time's right to move them or if he fits uh, a move, you know, makes a, makes a move where it makes everything else better then I'm with it. I would like to keep him around because I do like him, but um, you know, that's how I feel about the roster. I think the one thing is is that if they trade Drew, that means Lonzo's not going anywhere until, to me, it would, it, like again, he would have to have like an awful first. If they right. trade Drew before the season, Lonzo's in and unless he just blows 
the first half of the season. You know, like I don't see them giving away both members of their starting backcourt. No, I agree with that. In the same offseason. I, I wouldn't expect that either because I, I can't see the place where Pel- the Pelicans might trade Drew Holiday where the thing they're going to get back is actually a lead guard. I mean, right. even if they end up moving up in the draft and they draft a potential lead guard, I don't see while I'm very high while I'm very high on on those particular guys, I don't want the Pelicans walking into the season saying that guy and Nall and Nikhil Alexander Walker's our point guard rotation going forward. Right. That sounds like a disaster. I mean, that's mm-hmm. going to set the team back so bad. Especially when, when you've seen uh, Van Gundy say, look, if we're not putting pressure on the ball, if we're not, you know, like you can't, that's, you know, you can't have guys who don't understand their defensive assignments, not knowing when to back off. So I think, yeah, you can't just destroy the continuity of, of, of communication. And I think it's also hard to find another lead guard out there immediately who at the very least has that connection with Zion, who you're still trying to make comfortable. Right. Um, and I think that's, a, that's always going to be a consideration that they'll give Lonzo a little bit more leash to make sure, like they're going to have to be certain they're ready to let him go. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not advocating trading him. Oh, no, I'm not saying that. If you get offered some crazy deal, then, yeah, like, he's a guy that I would move for the right price, you know, but I definitely don't think they're going to move him and Drew this offseason. Yeah, that's why, like, we've always said that the three and a half men, yeah, Zion, Brandon, Josh Hart, and kind of on Lonzo. You know what I mean? Like, we're not 100% there with him, but... The one thing is I am really looking forward to the series because I enjoyed it last year. I think we got a great response last year on those. Mm-hmm. Um, they were fantastic. I think those were some of our most listened to pods. Um, and so uh, I hope you guys are excited too. Any last words you want to give as we get ready to do that next week? Oh, uh, no. I mean, I'll just promote uh, Chris and I teamed up to uh, write a retrospective of cash money's baller blocking um film and soundtrack it's the 20th anniversary of that um you can find that in anti-gravity magazine which is out in print now um i you know i used to have a good handle of where you could get those things uh but with covid i know they reduced the amount that they print and the places that can carry them because bars are closed you know but most coffee shops have have them for sure i know in my neighborhood the joint has them um so they'll be available in print but on Friday, the PDF version of the magazine will be available on antigravitymagazine.com. And then in the next couple of weeks, they're going to break it down into more of your normal website, uh, you know, click like blog post looking style of, uh, of the magazine will be broken down that way. Um, so keep an eye out for that. It was fun. You know, I always have a good time working with Chris and I think we always produce something that's entertaining. Um, so Hope you guys like it. Hope you get a, a chance to find it. And it's nice to be in print, you know, something you could hold and flip through. It's all, always feels good. Feels more permanent. Fish, I know you're ready for this because you've been like, uh, you've been like um, a beautiful mind, just drawing lines and putting pictures and trade <laughs> scenarios. Like only like you've made, you put Fletcher to shame over the last couple of weeks. So I know you're ready for next week. Oh, I'm 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 quite prepared for next week. And honestly, the the best part about this is that 
for me is, I mean, there's, there's, there's windows and possibilities that I haven't even touched on that at some point, one of you guys is going to raise and it's going to, it's going to open up like 15 other possible <laughs> things that, that roll past fr from that point that I, I just wouldn't have seen that without without your help. And that's one of the things that when I'm doing this, I'm hoping most people are going to be like, oh, what if you did that? Or what if you included this team or routed that guy to that team? And I hadn't thought of that before. And then you can start to build in that direction and see what what might that team be building. But largely when I post Drew Holiday trades up to this point, it's just Pelicans, Pelicans fans telling me um, that they don't want to talk about it. And well, now it's time to talk about it. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And we will talk about it. And I think we'll do it pretty damn well. So until the next time, folks, for David Fisher, for Kevin Berrios, um, I am David Grubb. Remember, please subscribe, rate us, share us with your friends. And until the next time, let's go Pels. for listening to the bird calls on the armchair all-american network if you like what you're hearing please take a moment to rate us on itunes retweet share with your friends and most importantly subscribe today